Hey, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this episode as always by my co-host Brian Wells, along with special guest host, my brother Cameron Novotny, who will help us continue our 2021 NFL season preview series by talking about the AFC South and the NFC South. We'll talk about the Titans and our expectations for them following some of their big offseason moves. We're also talking about the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer. Can Jacksonville, after going 1-15, maybe even make a surprise playoff appearance in 2021? We'll talk about the Colts and Carson Wentz. And we'll talk about the Texans, if there's any reason for fans like Cam to be optimistic about that team. We'll break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can anything stop them from returning to the Super Bowl after winning it all last season and what kind of competition do they have in the NFC South as the Saints look to move on from the Drew Brees era with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill the Panthers hoping Sam Darnold can hit the reset button on his career and lead to success in Carolina well the Falcons made many moves this offseason some curious so we'll talk about their rebuild or lack thereof as well finally we'll conclude this episode with a top five countdown chosen by cam our favorite tv characters who commonly wear suits so with that let's get started We are continuing with our NFL division-by-division season preview for 2021. As always, we are joined by a guest host to help us out with these. And for the AFC South and the NFC South, we are joined by my brother, Cam Novotny. Cam, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, we had you on a couple times last year. You helped us out with our 2020 NFL mock draft episodes. We had two of those, and then you came back on later in the season, just kind of give an update on where things were looking in the final stretch. Uh, but that's old news. We're getting ready to talk about 2021, and we're going to start off by talking about the AFC South. And the team that won last season was the Tennessee Titans. They after advancing to the AFC Championship game in 2019, a bit of a surprise postseason run, they got back to the playoffs, but they ultimately fell short in the wildcard round, losing at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Last season, their team was very good, despite having a terrible defense, uh, ranking near the bottom of the league in both pass defenses and or pass defense and first downs allowed through the air. So in the offseason, they went out and they made a lot of changes. They totally revamped their secondary and free agency in the draft. They brought in a number of players on defense, highlighted by Bud Dupree, pass rusher from the Pittsburgh Steelers, that they gave a mega contract to. 
And then later in the offseason, they improved their offense by trading for future Hall of Fame receiver Julio Jones, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. So the big storyline for the Titans entering 2021 is will their big offseason additions make them true Super Bowl contenders now? I did like the Julio Jones move a lot. That definitely helps their offense, of course, adding another weapon beside A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry at running back as well to help out Ryan Tannehill in their offense this year. I think that I think offensively they'll they'll be better. It might be a little bit concerning that they lost their offensive coordinator in Arthur Smith, uh, but I'm sure they'll still be fine off offensively. But I'm I'm more concerned how they look defensively. I think they look very thin on that side of the ball. I know they drafted Caleb Farley uh, in the first round out of Virginia Tech at corner. Coincidentally, when we talked about the draft, that was my player uh, team uh, comparison. And I, 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 I like the Titans, but I don't know. I think, I think that side of the ball is very thin uh, for the Titans. And I, I don't know. I don't think they're, true Super Bowl contenders. I think they can win the division still, but I don't feel good about their chances for the Super Bowl. I think we're really going to get a chance to see, uh, you know, their, their duo. Uh, I know Janoris Jenkins is there. I, I don't know that Caleb Farley is going to be starting very quickly. I know he had question marks with health coming out of college. It, it seemed like expectations weren't for him to start first season, but Christian Fulton, second-year player, really didn't see a ton of him last year don't know what they're going to get out of him um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how their secondary holds up because you mentioned they added bud dupree that's a huge addition but one you i don't think you mentioned Danico autry um from indianapolis that that's a huge i mean that's uh what uh seven and a half sacks last year uh one of the key pieces in that colts defense that just was a bunch of role guys you know they didn't really I, feel, I, I was looking at the Colts roster. I was like, why was this defense so good? And I, I that's one we'll get to later. But um, yeah, he's a really slept on player. I didn't even realize he went there until earlier today. But that's a really good addition for them. I think it's going to come down to the secondary, mainly the corners, whether or not Christian Fulton is the guy. I mean, he was a he was an early first round yeah, pick. He was, a, he was projected as a first rounder, but he fell... Oh, did no. he fall to the second? Yeah, he went all the no, way down went, the late second round. No, he went 22 overall in the first okay, round. Okay, yeah, I thought he was like a mid Oh, he went. He did go in the first first round? Were you talking about Farley or Fulton? Fulton. 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 Sorry, okay. Yeah, Fulton last year was second round. Farley, yeah, went he first was second round. round. Fulton oh, okay. dropped yeah, to the second. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Farley fell too. I mean, he was. He could have gone above J.C. Horn. I mean, he could have gone really early if he hadn't. If he didn't have the injury issues, I know. So that'll be that'll be a really interesting thing to see if those guys can step it up because if not, I mean, corner is just so important in today's NFL. It's hard to say, but I, I don't I don't think their defense is a hole. And with it's mostly their secondary. That's yeah, it's really concerning. just the secondary. Yeah, even even though Bud Dupree was out for the season last year with a torn ACL, he's still a really good linebacker in the league, and, and he'll help them a lot along with other guys like Rashawn Evans. And uh, in their front four, but in terms of their secondary, I I still think it's really bad. Yeah, I I think that we're gonna see how Bud Dupree does in that lead role because he thrived when he was lining up opposite of T.J. Watt. I know there's some concerns about Bud Dupree taking on that role, but the Titans' pass defense was so bad last year, 
and they cleaned it up. They got rid of Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro. And, okay, their secondary has some questions at corner, but they also have Kevin Byard, who is way up there in terms of one of the best safeties in the league. So I'm not overly concerned about the Titans' defense, mostly because all they have to be is league average, and I think instantly that puts them into Super Bowl contention status because of how good their offense can be. And I know Brian and I have gone back and forth on Ryan Tannehill. I'm very excited to see what he does with a duo of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, who I'm not as high on Julio Jones being like the same player he has been for most of his career, but I still expect him to be a huge upgrade over Corey Davis. And Derrick Henry... Certainly a possibility that, uh, you know, all the wear and tear on him is going to slow down, but I think he has at least one more year at a high level. So I'm pretty high on the Titans this season. I, I do believe that they can be true Super Bowl contenders, and the additions of Jones and Dupree could be enough to make their pass rush be somewhat competent, their pass defense as a whole somewhat competent, and then their offense go on uh, an even bigger level than it already had been. I'm higher on Tannehill now than I was a year ago. Just, just want to point that out. <laughs> How do you feel about Tannehill, Cam? Uh, I think he's really good. I mean, you just every if you if you say Tannehill isn't good, somebody will pull up a billion numbers on why he's good. So I don't even bother. He's he's a good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting into it anymore. He's a top ten quarterback to me. Um, you know, I won't go higher than that, but I definitely think that he is uh, above average, and yeah. I would not be surprised if he ends up in the Pro Bowl this year, given how how many weapons he has on offense. Yeah, and I'm I'm uh, I'm very curious to see if they can keep this uh, tight end trend. You know, they they had Delaney Walker, and then they just randomly produced Jonu Smith to just be a get a monster who got a monster contract. So we'll see if uh, I don't know Jeff Swaim or Anthony Fersker can. I think I've heard Fersker might be the guy. I don't know if I you said the depth chart came in. I don't know if Fersker. Came yeah, in as I think they had Swaim listed as number one former Cowboys oh, tight end. Um, but yeah, I mean, the tight end position did have a little bit of drop off losing Jonah Smith, but I'm sure that the, the titles will get creative and find a way. Like you said, Jonah Smith kind of came out of nowhere and it led to a huge payday from the Patriots. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. So, Cam, you had mentioned the the Colts a little bit when talking about Danico Autry last season. They made the playoffs, uh, taking advantage of the expanded postseason field, getting in as a final wild card as a seven seed. They put together a solid season with Phillip Rivers at quarterback uh, coming over. He did everything he needed to do to get to the Colts of the playoffs, but he has since announced his retirement. And the Colts made some moves this offseason, but I think the biggest headline move was trading for Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles, someone who fell out of favor in Philadelphia just a few years after putting up an MVP caliber campaign early in his career. And he's now reunited with Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator during that 2017 season. So the big storyline for the Colts heading into 2021 is Will reuniting with Frank Reich revitalize Carson Wentz's career and stabilize the Colts' long-term outlook at quarterback? And I will say that uh, at this point in time, it sounds like reports say that Wentz will be healthy enough to go week one. So even if he does end up missing the start of the season, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss potentially eight games as uh, potentially expected. Um, I... Uh... I do not believe in Carson Wentz. I'm not a Carson Wentz believer. I'm not a 
I, I like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's really good, but I'm I am not. I'm bearish on the Colts this year. Uh, Carson Wentz potentially injured. Uh, just as big Quentin Nelson potentially injured. I mean, he, he's in terms of uh, comparatively probably the best player on the depth chart. Um, yeah, he. The, the reports huge, also say huge... that he should be good to go week one. Um, they both had similar foot surgeries. We'll see if their timelines sync up, but um, at least now there's optimism that they'll be able to play as close to a full season as possible. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, all, I, I did see I, that. Yeah, I'm. I'm also curious how their offensive line is going to look. I mean, not just with Quentin Nelson's injury, but they also got Eric Fisher, and he's certainly not going to be ready for week one after his. Uh, torn Achilles injury in the AFC Championship game last year, and also center Ryan Kelly uh, is is out. But there have been reports that he's going to make it to camp and make it for Week One. Uh, so I'm so I'm curious to see how the O line looks, especially for someone like Wentz, given Wentz's past history with the Eagles and how it trended for him pre, pretty much downward after his one great year near MVP season, which was definitely a long time ago, it feels like. Uh, I mean, Corey and I, we we talked about this before already with the Colts, that am I a believer in Wentz? I mean, not really, but I mean, I think with re- reuniting with Frank Reich is going to help a lot if he was the offensive coordinator during Wentz's near MVP season, but that doesn't mean it's just going to – just him – being back with Frank Reich isn't just going to solve everything. That doesn't mean it's going to be 100% uh, sure that Wentz is going to return to top form. And like Cam said, like Cam said I, I like Jonathan Taylor, and Naeem Hines is also a good third down running back as well. And So I like their running backs, but I'm also I'm concerned about their receiver receiving core. I don't love their receiving core, to be honest. I mean, Michael Pittman, he's pretty good, but... As a number one, I don't love that idea. And T. Y. Hilton, I feel like is a, he's a past gazillion. his prime at this. I point. feel like I feel like yeah. he's a gazillion years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah, no, I I totally agree with your assessment of the Colts receiving core, and I I think that's just another reason to feel down on Carson Wentz. I don't think he's totally broken. Um, I won't say that it's impossible that Frank Reich finds the magic that he had in 2017, but like you said, it feels like that was such a long time ago. And while I expect Wentz to be better than he was in Philly, I really don't expect him to be a great quarterback. And I think it's unfortunate because the Colts are a team that could be a really serious contender in the AFC if they do get great quarterback play. I just don't believe that Wentz is a guy who's going to give it to him. I really like the idea still, even with Wentz on track to play week one of the Colts going out and acquiring Nick Foles to see if they can recreate that magic that uh, the Eagles had in 2017 and even 2018 when they ended up making the playoffs uh, in a late season push and winning a postseason game. So that, that I think be, that's the Colts' best chance is if they that, give Foles, uh, you know, as the backup for once. That would that would be pretty funny, especially since, of course, that they play with each other. And Wentz never he, – he said that they never had – he never had beef with Foles. But if he comes back again, I mean – that's gotta be that'd be super awkward for for once again. I'd imagine. I, I think going to the receivers. I, I know you said you don't like them. I I think I hate their receiving core. I mean, Michael <laughs> Pittman's yeah. fine. He's not a wide receiver one. T. Y. Hilton did nothing to show he's a wide receiver one last year. And what Paris Campbell? Yeah, Paris is your third Campbell wide had receiver? a torn like MCL and PCL. Basically, 
broke every bone in his body. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going like, to say, I, I thought they had someone who was like high ceiling, but super oh, injured. Yeah. So it was Paris Campbell, I guess, is that guy. And, the, and then Zach Pascal would come into a game and he'd go off for 60 yards. Like it's not, he, his, I don't like that receiving core. I really don't like it. I, there are a few receiving cores, maybe like the Patriots, why, like ignoring the tight ends, their wide receiver core. I can't think of really any. I, I would probably take the, actually, I'd easily take the Eagles with a, Devonta Smith. There. There's another team that we'll get every to other team. that has arguably the worst uh, receiving core in the league. Yeah, probably in the AFC South. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's a good time to move on to our next team, and that is the team that Cam roots for, the Houston Texans. Now, the Texans have. Uh, certainly been a story for most of the offseason at least in the early portion because they were very active in free agency it seemed like the Texans signed more players than anybody else uh, a lot of veterans coming in but this is a team that went four and 12 last season hugely disappointed JJ Watt was released back in February he's gone but ultimately the question heading into the Texan season isn't a matter of, you know, what the new players coming in are going to do, but it's what's going to happen at the quarterback situation as Deshaun Watson. There's still a lot of unclarity with him still on the roster and how much will that cloud this Texan season? Will we have any kind of resolution anytime soon? I really don't think he'll play for the Houston Texans, Texans again, but I'm curious to see if he actually plays and and if he doesn't get suspended or at least for the entire season and if he is eligible to play at some point whether if it's week one or later in the year or whatever does that does the trade with the eagles happen because there have been a lot of trade rumors uh surrounding deshaun watson to the eagles of late i think he doesn't play and whether he gets traded, I mean, who knows? I've heard you've heard rumors about every team that could possibly get a quarterback has been rumored to get Deshaun Watson. So I'll believe it when he gets traded, but I don't think he plays this season regardless. He showed up for practice so he didn't get fined, but I mean he there's nothing that says that he even if he's eligible is interested in playing for them. So I, I really would be blown away if he plays for them. I don't see him playing for the Texans at this point. They they released their first depth chart and had him as the number four quarterback. They're having him be what like a like a safety in practice, just kind of someone out there on the field. That being said, there's just I feel like there's way too much uncertainty for a team to roll the dice on him because he's going to end up having some kind of discipline from the league. I don't know how long this suspension would be, but if you're a team like the Eagles, are they in a position where like they're Deshaun Watson away from being a contender, especially Deshaun Watson at a, you know, a limited number of games. So I'll be really surprised if he ends up getting traded. And I do think that's something that's going to continue to hover over the Texans. Uh, if there is any kind of clarity and maybe he'll find some way to be like I need to help with my trade value but um, you know prove that he can actually play but that being said once the suspension is over I would think that any team is willing to go out and get him and let that be the Texans issue so Cam I guess at at this point like what are your what are your hopes Uh, you know do you have anything like I don't even know how you Uh, can do that like I mean it's 
they have a promising, you know, kind of young roster. I mean, they have they have some they have good pieces and they're but they're going to go like 4 and 30 in the next two seasons. I mean, it's not you're kind of hoping for Owen or I'm not kind of. I'm hoping for Owen 16 this year and then the Owen next 17. season Owen 17. Owen 17, whatever. <laughs> oh, 16 and 1 maybe, but uh, Owen 17. I don't think they win a game. I just don't even see how without like they went what three and 13 i think they went four and 12 four and 12 with watson with jj watt with will fuller well i guess will fuller was out for what five four games or whatever but i mean their their team is worse i think their best case scenario is they score 17 on offense and their best case scenario is they hold a team to 17 i just don't see how they even come close to winning a game at least this season, maybe next year you have a chance if you get 14 first round picks for Watson. I don't <laughs> See, I, know. I, I think that you're selling it a little short. I don't think the Texans go 0 17. I do think they're going to find a way to win a few games. When you said 4 and 30, I thought you were saying 4 and 13. I was like, that seems kind of reasonable. They added a ton of veterans. I don't think that these guys are going to just be willing to accept playing for a team that's just an absolute dumpster fire like a team like the Jets last year Um, I I do think that the Texans made a lot of moves to improve a terrible defense and yeah Terod Taylor or Davis Mills is a huge step down from Deshaun Watson but I mean they have a bunch of running backs now they already had David Johnson they signed Mark Ingram Philip Lindsay Rex Burkhead one of them has to be at least somewhat competent in that offense right and then, yeah, Brandon Cooks is still there. He's still a very strong receiver. They just recently traded for Anthony Miller. They have Chris Conley, who they added this offseason. They still have Laramie Tunsil as a left tackle. Like, I know he probably wasn't worth everything that's happened based on what they gave up for him. That doesn't mean he's not a great left tackle. So, I don't know. I think you're kind of selling the Texans short. Brian, do you think that they're closer to uh, zero wins than they are four wins? I would say it's in between that. <laughs> you think two and fifteen? Yeah, I, I two and fifteen sounds about right. Yeah, I, I, so, they can't be worse than the Jets. <laughs> they're uh, or the Jags. <laughs> they're definitely projected to be a um, number one overall pick in a lot of mock drafts. So. I, I would imagine that they will. I I believe that they'll have the number one pick next year. Is there? So a I'm not, not going to go as far as zero and seventeen, but yeah. number one pick. Yeah, I think it's a shoe one. Is there a player that you're eyeing, Kim? For, I assume a quarterback for the Texans. Oh, to with, draft? By going 0-17. Yeah, I mean... It, oh, you, it, I, I mean, yeah, you would just hope best quarterback. I have no... I don't think there's any, like, tank for Tua, tank for Trevor Lawrence. Like No, so, like... <laughs> I don't think there's any standout, but you just Why need root to, for 0-17, then, if there's not a guy that... Specifically, that you want? I mean, what do, what do you really... I, I guess maybe they win a game, but... I'm rooting for the number one overall pick. I wouldn't say necessarily 0 17, but even because if you're not, not a guy with there, the college quarterbacks, just... what is it? Because you're not familiar with the college quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they're well. No, Spencer I'm not, Rattler, yeah. Oklahoma. Sam Howell, North Carolina. Those are the two guys. Start following them. Those are the them. two like guarantees. If yeah, you want to have fun watching football this year, become an Oklahoma fan because they're <laughs> still in the Big Twelve. They're number three in the country in the first coaches poll. So they're a team that, uh, at least for now, until they join the SEC, is going to be a uh, college football playoff contender. And then North Carolina is an exciting one. Yeah, but the last maybe time maybe come that... down here and we go to a game in Chapel Hill. You watch Sam Howell in person. 
the Do last time that North Carolina had a big time quarterback come out in the first round, it was Trubisky, though. Okay, but Mitch Trubisky is I mean, not the prospect that Sam Howell was or yeah, is right now. Sam Howell was a known commodity. Trubisky came out of nowhere and was <clears throat> agreed to be like that high of a pick, but like not really. Like, like he was the best quarterback by a lot of people, but I, he's I, not I know what you mean. The I prospect just, Howell is. I, I know I, I actually have heard of Howell and I heard there there's a third one that you didn't mention that I saw a lot of people projecting like is more of a I, I don't know exactly but yeah there are definitely players but I mean I'm not rooting for anyone but in, in theory they should get the best player in the first overall pick and if not you know you trade back you just there's no value to me and not if you have no playoff chances I want the number one overall pick I don't see a real value in winning a couple games <clears throat> when you have it's not like you have a bunch of young guys you're trying to keep. You have, are are they going to re resign Mark Ingram? Is that reasonable? I mean, there's just a bunch of these one year deal guys that I think I don't know. They they made really weird moves in the off season. Yeah, I was surprised by how much spending they did and bringing in those kind of guys. But I guess they had to do something to try to you know salvage the team and give fans some reason for optimism. Just given the the whole. Deshaun Watson situation coupled with releasing T JJ Watt. Yeah, they were just it feels like they were grasping at straws. Every single time I saw a move, I was like, what what did what did we gain? <laughs> the only one I liked was the uh um who was it they traded for Shaq Lawson? Uh oh, Bernardrick McKinney. Yeah. So McKinney. they traded McKinney, so I actually like that deal because from what I understood of it, they basically took on more money this year in order to get money off next year. And I just think you need to be building for, I think you need to be building for three years down the road. I like Nico Collins. He's a wide receiver. They drafted that. I didn't even know anything about coming into the season, but everything I'm seeing is that he's just a huge body player making crazy catches in training camp. So that's promising. He's a rookie. I mean, third year would be a good time. He might be the one thing I like about this Texans Nico roster. Collins, he, he yeah. looks like a monster. Other than that, I don't really care for it. Even Brandon Cooks, I don't like. Just because I still like his Brandon one year Cooks. in New England was not really that great. It was very underwhelming. And I, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise you <clears throat> if Nico Collins becomes the, their number one guy. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brandon Cooks default. get traded again, which would be unfortunate for him. Got to <laughs> yeah. move the family again. but uh, every Every year. I, I like him though. He he had a really good year last year. He played. He was really good when Will Fuller was down. I, I like Brandon Cooks a lot. I would like him to stay because what's the? I mean, what are they going to get a fourth round pick that they're going to go draft a terrible cornerback with? Like I, I just yeah. I uh, <laughs> I think we've kind of beaten in that the Texans are yeah. uh, in for a long season at this point. Let's talk about a team who just had a long season, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who after winning their first game lost 15 in a row, and their prize was the number one overall pick in quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Uh, in addition to Lawrence, the Jaguars had cap space, and they used it. They brought in a lot of talent on both sides of the ball to try to quickly turn around a team that went 1-15 and and at least be much more competitive in 2021 than they were last season. And of all those moves, one of the biggest, potentially the biggest right after Trevor Lawrence they did was convince Urban Meyer to come out of retirement, leave the college ranks, and come to the NFL. So the big storyline for the Jaguars heading into 
2021 is will the urban meyer experiment lead to early success for an exciting young jaguars team so i don't love the urban meyer experience for or experiment for long-term success but for this year specifically i can see the jags being relatively decent of a team just given who they added to their roster of course adding trevor lawrence number one overall at quarterback and he's surrounded by actually pretty good receivers unlike the Colts and other teams in this division I think LaVisca Chenault DJ Chark and Marvin Jones that makes it's not an elite trio but it's a decent trio of receivers and they also added Travis Etienne now we can question if that was smart of them to use a first round pick on Travis Etienne but hey he went to Clemson along with Trevor Lawrence so give him his buddy give him what he wants I'm sure he can help their backfield a lot. And offensively, yeah, I, I think they can be pretty good and score some points. And then defensively, they're not going to be the that defense that was just disgusting in yeah, 2017. That was nearly unstoppable. But I think they can be solid with who they have with uh, C.J. Henderson that they drafted last year in the first round. Now there have been trade rumors with C.J. Henderson for whatever reason. Uh right now but he's they drafted him in the top 10 uh they also have josh allen not josh allen of the bills of course but josh allen on the defensive line who's great and uh i, I can't pronounce this guy's name but is it kit Le'Veon chase on i think it's Clavon. clavon isn't it clavon clavon yeah clavon clavon yeah yeah clavon i'll go with clavon clavon chase on uh they drafted him as well who i'm sure has plenty of upside so i think I don't. I don't want to see the Jags in the division, but I don't think it's impossible. As crazy as that sounds, because I feel like outside of the garbage Houston Texans team, I feel like for the other three teams, it's actually wide open. As crazy as that sounds, I also don't think it would be like outside the realm of possibility for for the Jaguars to win the division. Especially, I mean. Trevor Lawrence could be the best quarterback ever. We he, we don't even know he isn't yet. He's just he's been the number one prospect since he was like born. So I mean, if he's really good, I I really like that. I think that is an elite receiving core. I think DJ Chark, Lavishka Chenault, who was an early second last year, and Marvin Jones, who he's a good wide receiver. He's he's a really good player. I think that is an elite wide receiving core. I think James Robinson was very good last year and you have Travis Etienne that's a really good duo that's one of the better duos in the league as well good yeah, old James line. and James Robinson yeah I forgot yeah he James was, Robinson was, was really good last year. year I think he went for a thousand yards yeah he made the Pro Bowl as an undrafted rookie free agent and I think that's yeah. kind of why you can also hate on the uh, Travis Etienne first round pick but at that point is a luxury choice they got Trevor Lawrence's teammate and like you said we don't know how great Trevor Lawrence can be but he's uh, one of the most highly touted prospects we've ever seen uh, at the quarterback position so I think there's a lot of reasons like the Jaguars you guys keep saying it they have a lot of weapons on offense they even brought in Tim Tebow like who knows? He can come in and uh, end up being the greatest tight end of all time. We still don't know that he won't be. <laughs> uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned a lot of the young talent that they drafted in recent years. They also made some moves um, signing Malcolm Brown and Roy Robert Harrison, or Roy Robertson Harris to address the defensive line. And they paid Shaquille Griffin a ton of money to be their number one corner, even if CJ Henderson gets traded, which 
sounds like the Jags don't really love uh, some of the work he's put in this offseason, and it might not be a great fit. I do think that their defense will still be competent enough. Certainly not like the 2017 team, but I won't go as far as to say I believe the Jaguars would be a playoff team because I do believe that Tennessee is, uh, you know, much better than them. But I think that the Jags uh, could certainly find themselves much closer to the Colts and uh, potentially a surprise playoff team if everything goes well. That being said, I don't love the Urban Meyer experiment either. I think that he can have some early success. Nick Saban went 9-7 and seven his first season of the Dolphins, and then the second season things kind of went to hell, and he was back in Alabama you know, in the college ranks right away. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not into the college coach trying to take over the NFL kind of thing. It's just Mixed extra. results at best on that, so... Um, yeah, I, I totally understand that. I think I think there could be um, a lot of love for Urban Meyer this season if the Jaguars go well. But I will say, if the Jaguars find themselves near the bottom of the league again, like last season, and they don't look like they have any kind of improvement, then that's going to be a huge knock against Urban Meyer um, and his coaching staff because I think that they have the talent to be able to be competitive, uh, much improved from their one and fifteen season. All right, so let's uh, let's start talking about new additions uh, that to this division that we believe will have the biggest impact on their team and how things play out this year. So Cam, as our guest, we'll let you get started. Uh, we're still on AFC South. Yeah, still on the AFC South. Uh, so Titans. I mean, you obviously like you. You can't. If anyone says anything other than Julio Jones, he's just the obvious one. He could be the number one wide receiver. I mean, if you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, that's really crazy. That That's the biggest addition in the division, in my opinion. So when we did our division preview with Kenny for the AFC and NFC East, I realized that we could go with negative impact as well. <laughs> it didn't say positive or negative. Yeah. Yep. And so I think Carson Wentz has the widest range of outcomes in terms of positive or negative impact he if if it's positive he can there's a chance that he could return to form and be on the same page with frank reich and 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 win a division and because they have they do have a good defense and we can question the weapons that Wentz is surrounded by but i don't think it's i, I don't think it's uh had a question that they could win the division with who they have on their defense and adding a quarterback that has that has upside, but he also has plenty of downside. If, because if he plays like he has the past few seasons, it's going to be uh, a long season for the Colts, and they might have to look elsewhere at quarterback again. And so I'm going to say Carson Wentz makes the biggest impact in both either positive or negative. So I knew I was going last, so I didn't even bother throwing out Julio Jones. And Carson Wentz, you're right, absolutely has the potential for biggest uh, positive or negative impacts. I guess if I had to throw out another guy, I mean, if we're talking about the AFC South being potentially wide open and Jacksonville being a team, it's because Trevor Lawrence comes in and he's the real deal right away. We saw Andrew Luck 
go 11-5 and five and lead the Colts to the playoffs his rookie season. And that was a Colts team that was horrendous the year before. So I don't think it's out of the, the stretch of possibility that Trevor Lawrence comes in and has an immediate impact and has a ton of success with Jacksonville. Now, if he comes in and he struggles as a rookie, he doesn't look like um, he at least is ready right away to be the uh, you know star NFL quarterback that a lot of people envision he will be throughout his career, then Jacksonville can uh, find themselves closer to Houston at the bottom of the division and you know hoping for better luck next year. So to me, Trevor Lawrence is a guy who absolutely fits this description. All right, and now a bold prediction for the division. So Cam, I'll go back to you. Uh, so I guess if, if the Texans going 0 17 is bold, then that would be it. But no, I, I would probably, I think it would be the Jaguars winning the division. And I agree with you. It would be because if I think Trevor Lawrence could be insane, I really like their receiving core. I, I think he, uh, I think he has the potential to lead them to the, to win the division. I think he could make, could lead them to 11, 11, or what would it be like 12 and five, 11 and six. Although that would rely on the Titans not being, they would probably have to not perform as well as expected. But I think that Trevor Lawrence has the potential to lead that team. So is that, the, are you actually predicting playoffs. that? Uh, I'll predict they, they go to the playoffs. I'm actually, I'm going to not do division. Cause I was going to say like 12 and five probably doesn't win that division. Titans could be a powerhouse, but yeah, I, pre- I think the Jaguars make the playoffs. All right, this one is this is going to be a ridiculous bold prediction. This very, very likely will not come true, but I have questions about all these teams in this division. I have a lot of questions about the Titans' uh, defense, particularly their secondary. And then when it comes to the Colts, obviously, what are we going to see from their, the quarterback play from Wentz and they're they're really mediocre weapons uh, at receiver, and then the Jags. Yes, they have a lot of talent, but they're also a young team. I mean, it's Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. I mean, would it surprise us if he is not guns blazing out of the gate? Like, no, I'm. I'm or so I, I. It wouldn't surprise me if the Jags are just mediocre, and then the Texans. They they they're awful. So my bold prediction is the AFC South will be last year's NFC East, where not one team goes over 500. <laughs> wow. I, I think that's that's So I would, need the, I would need the Titans to go 8-9 and nine for that to happen because they're certainly the favorites, and I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if I'm completely wrong about that and they go like 13-4 and four or whatever. It's just a, it's a bold prediction. Yeah, that's super bold. My, I thought I had a bold prediction, but Cam blew mine out of the water. My bold yeah, prediction I was, gonna, was just going to be Jaguars finish in second place ahead of the Colts, but not actually make the playoffs, which, I mean, after going 1-15 last year, uh, it feels like that would be a, a huge leap, um, just finishing ahead of the Colts and also predicting that a team that some people think can be a Super Bowl contender is going to finish below 500 and third in the division. I was honestly considering something Jags-related for a bull call, but, but Cam uh, used the Jags as well. I, th- I think I'm just way too on the uh, Trevor Lawrence hype. He's he's NFL yeah. ready. He just, I really I really like him. He he looks so good. It would be a Super Bowl prediction that like would go against my other one. But if I were to hedge myself, um, 
Nick Foles will start a playoff game for the Indianapolis Colts this season. <laughs> I, I kind of hope that happens just so I can uh, say I had that one on the record. Uh, realistically, at this point, I kind of believe that the Colts are going to be content with Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. But if Carson Wentz injury status changes, maybe they'll reevaluate that. All right, so let's move on to the NFC South. And we're going to get things started with the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, last season won their last four regular season games and then won four playoff games to win the Super Bowl. Of course, Tom Brady, the big storyline, um, and uh, the success that a lot of people expected uh, actually came true with them winning it all. And then this offseason, they basically ran back the entire team, returning almost all of their key players. So the big storyline for the box is after doing that, after bringing back everyone, can anything stop them from getting back to the Super Bowl? I would say the one thing that could stop them is their roster being way too hyped about what happened last season. I mean, Super Bowl hangover. That happens with a lot of teams where, all right, we're 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 going to do this every single year because we're we're awesome. I guess, I, I, of course, I wouldn't question Tom Brady being complacent given how much success he's had and knows how hard it takes to win a Super Bowl. But the rest of the roster, or nearly the rest of the roster, it was their first Super Bowl appearance and their first Super Bowl win. And maybe, maybe the majority of their roster could have two big, big of heads for this coming season. And so that would be the one thing that would stop them in my opinion. But other than that, I don't, I I think they are either the first or second best team in the league, uh, top to bottom. I mean, one thing that could easily stop them. I know no one's ever said this could potentially happen is what if Brady falls off a cliff? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it, I know it gets old, but it's going, he's eventually not going to be good. Like, it's just going, he, or he's just going to, re, like, ride off into the sunset, but that we rarely see that. I mean, Drew Brees looked really good two years ago. He looked horrible last season. They made the playoffs in spite of Drew Brees. I think that would be, you know, it would just be Brady can't throw. It, 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 it'll happen eventually. It, no quarterback is... Nobody, nobody in sports is people age. They just age. I I think they're going to be a one seed. They, they they brought back all 22 of their starters from last season and they have a top five, one of the top five easiest schedules in the league, especially being in the NFC South. And they all, I don't, they look, they look nasty again. I mean, those are really the two big things. It would be some kind of self-infliction, like you said, Super Bowl hangover. It's not easy, but the Chiefs got back to the Super Bowl last year, and uh, they looked arguably even more dominant throughout most of the season. And bringing back the entire roster, it's unprecedented. You never see that with Super Bowl teams. You always see guys leave in free agency. They get bigger deals elsewhere. So (laughs) at that point, it's like, yeah, is this final the year that Um, father time catch up catches up to Tom Brady I don't necessarily think it'll happen I do expect the Bucs to still be very good this season Uh, I think that there are some really solid teams in the NFC but they should certainly still be the favorite to get back there 
And, you know, barring, like you said, the entire team just having like a ton of ego and, you know, having that suitable hangover inflict them, it's hard to see this team not being just as dominant this season. So do you think that there's like any kind of like weak spot on the roster? I don't I don't see any really at all. Their their defense gave up didn't give up a single touchdown in the Super Bowl. They gave up nine points, didn't even give up double digit points, and they brought back everybody. And then offensively, I think they're a juggernaut. They're they have two receivers that are in the prime of their career. Their third receiver is Antonio Brown. <laughs> that which is crazy. And then Gronk, I thought he was washed and for most of the season last year he it, that was kind of the case, but then all of a sudden he shows up uh, in the Super Bowl and scores two touchdowns. And uh, I mean, he's never going to go look like his old self in his prime, but he he looked r- really good for where he's at his in his career in in that game. And uh, and then they're running, yeah, their running back room is good. And so I I don't see really any if any weak, many weaknesses at all on their roster. Yeah, I I don't see any holes, and I I I wouldn't predict anyone in the NFC to. I wouldn't predict anyone else to be the one seed in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, especially given their schedule this year, I I, I wouldn't call it a weakness, but I think compared to their front seven, their secondary could be better. But like you said, Brian, their secondary was great in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and their their pass rush is going to make up for it so yeah to, to the point where you called Mahomes a fraud yeah <laughs> that's oh, how good their defense was yeah so and of course Todd Bowles is still back he just got a huge contract so yeah I think it'll be it'll, it'll take something crazy happening for the the Bucks to um you know have their, their their Super Bowl chances really decrease this season so let's move on to the next team in the division the New Orleans Saints who had a, a lot of roster shakeup this offseason. They, after years of pushing the cap further down the road, had to part with a ton of players uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Emmanuel Sanders, tight ends Jared Cook and Josh Hill, fullback Michael Burton, defensively losing lineman Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon Rankings, cornerback Janoris Jenkins, even longtime punter Thomas Morstead. But no loss is more notable than a retirement of longtime Saints quarterback and Super Bowl hero Drew Brees. So now it's between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, who both are competing for the Saints quarterback job to try to continue the success that this team has had in the previous few seasons. And that's a big storyline is can either of them help continue that success with a very retooled roster? I think the Saints are due for big regression this year. I mean, you, I mean, you just talked about all the things that happened this offseason. They, and the biggest one being, of course, Drew Brees retiring, but they also lost. I mean, Michael Thomas, he's been hurt since last year, but you, you think he's going to be ready for Week One, but then all of a sudden it's reported that he's he's still hurt and might not be ready until Week Six or or even later. And I think that's really concerning because. If you look at the rest of their weapons on offense, okay, yes, Kamara's awesome, but I mean, after him, <laughs> looking at the receiving core, I mean, I like Traquan Smith, but I've been waiting for like three years now for him to break out, and it still hasn't even happened yet. And then, and then there's then they have Marquez Callaway. I mean, that's not exactly a promising receiving core. And then, 
add to, so Michael Thomas being out and then Drew Brees retiring and yet you're forced to start either Jameis Winston who is yes he's fun to watch just given how often he throws touchdowns and interceptions in the same game but he's very yeah he's very very turnover prone so that's not a, a recipe for su- success and then Taysom Hill yeah I love Taysom but he's he's a he's a good dual threat QB but it's mostly for his running his throwing is yeah it's it's a question a big question heading into this year and I think I think Sean Payton will start Taysom to start the year because I, I think he's a big believer in Taysom Hill and he really wants to see if he could uh make it work with him but I, I'll I'll admit as much as I, I'm a big fan of him I I even I have doubts if he can work uh as a starting quarterback in the league or not did they release their depth chart I don't know if they have I, I, I couldn't find that. I couldn't find anything that said they did I don't think so, that they officially have it their quarterback position yeah that's what i was wondering so i think Taysom hill is a bad quarterback i think he's a bad option at quarterback i really don't like Taysom hill um i know they were able to win with him in the past but they were able to win with anybody they threw teddy they made teddy bridgewater look like he was worth the money that the uh panthers gave him and then they just went and replaced him with sam darnold um I, I like Jameis Winston a lot, so I think that if he starts, they have a chance to win some games. But I I think they're closer to, you know, not being a playoff ball, team. Yeah, I think they're closer to missing last year. Exactly, I think yeah. they're closer to missing the playoffs than they are to winning the division. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that as well. I think they're I think they're a well coached team. I think they have a good old line and they have a good defense, but their playmakers on offense after Camara is very very suspect and then it's gonna be just total musical chairs at quarterback which I don't I'm not a fan of I I think that I agree with Cam and that I'm much higher on Jameis Winston than Taysom Hill but I I think that's what it's gonna come down to is the quarterback play and I'm not as down on the Saints just because their roster is so really great like they lost some guys this offseason but they kept most of their core talent they were able to bring back um, Marcus Williams on the franchise tag. They still have Marshawn Lattimore, C.J. Gardner-Johnson in their secondary. I know they did lose Patrick Robinson to retirement. They probably need some more help at cornerback, but they have a great veteran in Cameron Jordan. Um, I think that their defense is still going to be strong. And like you said, they have a great offensive line. It's just the weapons could be better. And I don't know if that better suits Taysom Hill or um, Jameis Winston because you saw Jameis throw for 5,000 yards with the Buccaneers a couple years ago, but that was when he had, what, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rashad Perriman even come on really strong in that offense. So I don't know if it's going to be the same kind of success he can have with this roster in New Orleans. But I'm not ready to say the sky is falling. I do think that the the Saints are still uh, very much a playoff contender. And I'm excited to see what Jameis Winston can do as a starting quarterback post LASIK eye surgery. I said that last summer um, and then, you know, never really got the opportunity. Even when Drew Brees was hurt, we saw Taysom Hill as a quarterback. I don't think that the Saints will have a ton of success with Taysom Hill as their quarterback all season. I think he's a jack of all trades. He's a good guy to throw around everywhere, but he's not great at any one thing. I would like to see Jameis come in, and I think that he does have the possibility. Now, Michael Thomas, if he's going to miss half the season, that's going to be 
a huge loss for the Saints. So that'll also play a factor. But if he does find a way to return to the field sooner than expected, uh, I don't think that the Saints are going to have a disastrous season compared to the last four years. Maybe not be as two seed, like you said. You're probably not going to really compete with Tampa this year, but they can uh, certainly still be a wild card team in the NFC. I actually, I know you mentioned the wide receiving core. Um, for Taysom, I, you know, I, I don't think, I think you need Michael Thomas for Taysom Hill to be serviceable. But uh, in terms of their receiving core with Jameis Winston, I mean, he he doesn't, yes, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are leaps and bounds better than them. But I love that he just has a bunch of burners. I mean, you got uh, Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, and then uh, I think Deontay Harris ran like a sub 4-4. Four, four he's even. a great kick returner. He's, yeah, he's really fast. Just put out a bunch of burners and let him let him throw it. He's just going to sling it. I like it. Maybe he does throw 30 interceptions again, but hey. He won't throw 30 interceptions no, he won't. again. He, he won't, but you know, he might throw, he still probably will throw a lot of interceptions. I mean, it's not like it was, even if he couldn't see, his decision making was really bad. But yeah, and that, that needs he, to he'll be throw for he can throw for a lot of yards. He can throw he can throw for touchdowns, especially with those guys. I mean, they they're pretty ideal for his uh the build around him. Yeah, so if if Jameis is able to take advantage of some of those guys and they do end up being the weapons that they can be, then that certainly helps the Saints' chances this year. Plus, I mean, right, it's not move. it's not like there's a seven. There are not a top seven set in stone NFC teams, in my opinion. No, I, I totally agree with that. just not seven think, very good teams. No, there there's a lot of teams that can compete for the playoffs, and I think that makes it wide open for a team like the Saints to still get in as a, a wild card. All right, let's move on with that. And you mentioned the Carolina Panthers going out and getting Sam Darnold. That's uh, certainly a big move for a team that struggled last year in a rebuilding season 5 and 11 in Matt Rule's first season but there's some optimism that they can see some improvement this year and a lot of that will come down with their new quarterback ex- acquisition who really struggled in his 3 years with the Jets after being the number 3 overall pick in 2018 so the big storyline for the Panthers heading into the season is will the move to Carolina ignite Sam Darnold's career well i think just not being with the Jets is already going to ignite his career. Just any other team, well, maybe not the Texans, but just not being with the Jets is already going to be big for him. Now, will it help? Now, will he help translate, uh, you know, the Panthers from being a so-so team to a playoff team? That I'm not sure. Yes, they're they have good weapons with McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. I mean. I mean, Robbie Anderson, he he was with Sam Darnold uh, when they played together with the Jets years ago. Uh, but I'll admit, like, I, I, I question if they can even make the playoffs. They, they're in a division with the Bucks. Of course, they're not going to pass them as division winners, but maybe they can pass Carolina. I'm not sure. New Orleans. But... They are Carolina. Oh, excuse me, New Orleans. That's what I meant. Yeah. But last year, the Panthers... The Panthers had seven games last year uh, where they, when, when they started a drive down one score with under six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Nine total drives in seven games. They didn't score a single point and lost all seven of those games. And so I, I question, I, I kind of question how good Matt Rule is as a coach. I, it's, it's, he's only one year, year in though. So it's, I'll cut him some slack, but I don't know. I don't, 
totally love the situation, but it's better than being with the Jets. Yeah, I was really high on Matt Rule when the Panthers hired him. I don't know if one season uh, with you know some of the late game stuff you can blame on him. I think it's just the roster, and Teddy Bridgewater, and some of the limitations. Not having so you think Christian it's McCaffrey. You think I'm still high on Matt Rule as you a think head coach they're for the you think they're bad. Two minute offense had way more to do with Bridgewater than it I had think it had more Matt to do Rule. than the roster than it did Matt Rule. Yes. Okay. At least the one game, one season sample size. I'm not going to freak out about Rule just yet. I definitely don't think it's time to freak about out about Rule. And uh, in terms of Sam Darnold, um, it can't be worse. It it he it just can't. He 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 hit rock bottom. Really, I mean, like. The seeing ghosts is the most memorable thing about his career so far. There's got there's upside at least. It's it's got to be better. And I mean, he does have a good wide receiving core, and he has the best running back in the league around him. He is the best player to have on your offense in Christian McCaffrey. Well, uh, uh, outside of quarterback, sorry. But they, you know, he's just a he's a freak. Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall. They drafted. It's a really good. He he has way more weapons than he's ever had probably even in college I, I can't imagine he had those types of weapons around him I mean he has a chance I don't think he will do well given what I saw in three years but he has a chance can't be worse he did have Juju when he was at Southern Cal I can't think of anyone else um, on that Trojans team but I, I I'm cautiously optimistic that the Panthers can be um much better this season than they were last year and I think it comes down to a few factors outside of uh, Sam Darnold is their defense going to get better I know they focused um, entirely on defense in the draft in 2020 they also brought in a number of players on defense this year so I think that's going to be a big thing Christian McCaffrey staying healthy what he only played like three games last year Yes, he's an amazing weapon, or like you said, probably the best to have, but if he's not on the field, that's not going to help out. But then, of course, the big thing is, what are we going to see out of Sam Darnold? And I do believe that he's going to be better than he was with the Jets because, like you guys said, it's impossible for him to be worse. It's just a matter of how much better. And I can see a scenario where Sam Darnold looks really competent, and yet the Panthers don't win many more games than the five they won last year because their roster isn't totally where it needs to be. They can't totally close out games they run into that issue last year but that's usually a sign when a team has a, like a super losing record in one score games because you expect a team in one score games to be about 500 that the following year they're going to have a big improvement so I am very um, like I said cautiously optimistic but optimistic that Sam Darnold can be a solid competent quarterback for the Panthers and they can actually have some success and like we just said about the Saints the NFC playoff field does feel pretty open you know there's only a handful of teams that you would want to lock into a playoff spot so there's certainly opportunities for Carolina to uh, actually contend and maybe even make the playoffs this season that's probably the best way I'd put it as well being cautiously optimistic I think they can win eight nine Eight, nine, nine, and eight. I could see that from the Panthers. That's probably and, their ceiling, somewhere in that range. Yeah, and you can, you can tell me more, way more about Matt Rule than I can when he was at Baylor. So he if turned you're high on him, and Baylor I'll take your, around I'll t- very I'll, quickly. Yeah, I'll I'll take your word for it on him. But I will say, uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady, he was at LSU, and their offense was spectacular with Burrow and all the weapons that they had on. In their receiving core, and so, and I'm sure Joe Brady had a lot to do with that. So, 
I'm sure he can help out uh, Sam Darnold a lot, and especially now that he's away from Adam Gase. <laughs> so I will throw out the stats. In 2013 at Temple, uh, his first year there, they went 2-10. and 10. In 2015, 10-4. and 4. 2016, 10-3. Baylor, 2017, 1-11. They got him to a bowl game in 2018, and then 2019, 11-3, all the way to the Sugar Bowl, a um, college football playoff bowl game. So... You know, it may, might not be this year, but I, I think there's reasons to believe that Matt Rule can turn the Panthers around quickly, and uh, that's why I'm definitely not giving them up on him after just one season. They're they're probably due for positive regression. They they went three and eight in one score games last year, which I'm sure can't possibly happen again with the mm-hmm. with that much bad luck. Which, yep. which I think you pointed out. Yeah, I exactly. Did. I mean, if if they go six and seven, seven and six, like you'd expect, then that puts them right at five hundred. One thing we didn't also didn't mention is uh, I I think this secondary is incredible. I really like. I love J C Horn. I mean, Corey, you're a Gamecocks guy. I'm mm-hmm. sure you love J C Horn. I think he's a stud, and he's you know all the top corners, those lockdown corners in the NFL. They've all said he's the guy. If he's a lockdown corner, and you have Dante Jackson, who can run with anybody in the league, and Troy Pride Jr., who can run with anybody in the league, and Jeremy Chin, who played in the box, he played over top, he played everywhere. He probably could have been a pass rusher. He's he's really good. You could have one of the better up and coming secondaries in the league very soon, very quickly. I could see them yeah. being a shutdown defense this year. Yeah, they've definitely put in a lot of work to get young talent on defense. I think it's a question of how soon it develops. So like I said, that defense, like it has potential. They they have a lot of room to grow and improve, and it might take another year or two, but there's uh, certainly potential if everyone can put it together this season that the Panthers can uh, significantly improve and be a true playoff contender. All right, so the uh, final team in the NFC South to talk about are the Atlanta Falcons, who... Hugely disappointed last season, had multiple games where they lost despite having a 99% chance to win according to the advanced metrics. And the season really went to hell because of that, with them finishing 4-12. and They had the fourth overall pick this season. A lot of questions of how they would approach it. Would they take their quarterback of the future? They ultimately decided to draft tight end Kyle Pitts, who is seen as a freak athlete and a player who can help a, an offense that's trying to win now actually win now. But then just a couple months later, they traded away Julio Jones, like we mentioned earlier, to the Tennessee Titans. So there are a lot of questions about how the Falcons have handled this offseason with a half-in, half-out approach to a rebuild. So the big storyline entering the season for this Falcons team is will the decision to not fully rebuild prove to be a smart choice for them or just a delay of the inevitable? I think it is just delaying the inevitable. I'm not, I've never been a Matt Ryan guy. And now I'm not saying that they should have drafted a quarterback in Fields or Jones or Lance if he fell to them. But, and they got Kyle Pitts, who is supposedly a unicorn at the position, given that tight end outside of the obvious elite guys is not great. But Kyle Pitts, he can be that wide receiver slash tight end kind of thing where he's he's a much faster tight end than than your typical tight end so I I think you could say it's the right pick by taking Kyle Pitts at four but at the same time it's like you still have Matt Ryan and I he's never he, he's he's not gonna rep, repeat what he did 
five years ago when he was an MVP and almost won a Super Bowl. And I, at some point, they have to find the next guy. And uh, I, I feel like this year for the Falcons, it's, it's just going to be a wash kind of year where it's just they'll win, they'll go six and eleven or seven and ten or whatever, and they'll be near the top of the draft again. I think they really, I mean, I know it's the decision to half rebuild, but I think they made the only decision. You couldn't go quarterback. You you couldn't get rid of Matt Ryan. He His contract, it was, it would have been a negative to draft a quarterback. It made no sense. So you go with the, you know, what who a lot of people were saying is the best player uh, behind Trevor Lawrence, of course, because he's the unicorn. But a lot of people saying he was the best, second best player in the draft. Um, Kyle Pitts is supposed to be incredible. You go with him. And then with Julio, I know they, it sucks they had to trade him away, but it's not like they said, oh, we're going to trade him because we want to trade him. He forced his way out. He said, I'm not playing for you. It was, it, it was the decision the Texans should have made with Watson. It, I mean, if a guy doesn't want to play for you and you're not going to eat his, you're not going to eat like $50 million a year, why wouldn't you trade him for what you can get? Get some value. I think that was the smart decision for them. And um, I, I think their biggest question is, you know, there is it's still going to be their defense. They made a couple. They made a couple good selections. I, I like Richie Grant a lot, and there's another I like that I don't, I'm not seeing on the depth chart right now. They they drafted a pass rusher too, I believe. Oh, uh, yes, it is. Was it Foyasad Ulakun, or was he already on them? I can't remember. They they did a decent job in the draft though. They're setting up for the future. Well, I think they're setting up well for the future. I think they are rebuilding. So I'm answering it different. I think they did rebuild. I think it, it's a good, a solid start to a rebuild. See, I, 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 I still have questions about their defense as well. I mean, yeah, okay, yes, they have Ridley and Pitts on offense, and I'm sure they'll be good in fantasy. But uh, in terms of team success, I don't think they'll be great. And then defensively, I, I, I didn't like that the AJ Terrell pick last year. I, okay, yes, they needed help at corner, but I don't think AJ Terrell was being talked a lot about as a mid-first rounder, especially with CeeDee Lamb still on the board. They could have added him, especially since Julio is now not even in Atlanta anymore. And I feel like that move was a mistake, but that's just me. So my issue with the Falcons is that I agree with some of the things you guys are saying. And with Brian, that 7-10 and 10 record prediction, that sounds about right for them. And I think that's kind of the worst case scenario for this team is that Yes, they they were kind of had their hands forced with Julio Jones, um, not just him wanting a trade, but also the fact that they needed to clear cap space because they were in a really bad spot with their their salary cap. And I also get that moving Matt Ryan was probably not a possibility, but I guess for this team to pull in Kyle Pitts with a fourth overall pick, it just kind of feels similar to when the Giants took Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick, where, yeah, you're getting in an amazing talent, and Kyle Pitts could win Rookie of the Year, just like um, Barkley won Rookie of the Year. But what kind of success did it get the Giants in Barkley's first three seasons in the league? Now, I know Barkley was kind of uh, an exception in the sense that he had the injuries also hurt him, but... Uh, picking up a playmaker like that at number four, you would hope that the Falcons can get themselves into the playoffs. And that's that's really what it comes down to, is do you think the Falcons are going to be a playoff contender, or do you think they're going to be below the playoff line? Because they've struggled those two seasons after 2017 when they, they did make the playoffs, and then last year they bottomed out at 4-12. and 12. Now, 
I don't know that they're going to lose a bunch of games that uh, they, they have no business losing like they did last year. So I do think that regression will lead to more wins for them. But I, I just don't know that's the right solution because this team could still find themselves finishing fourth in the division, but maybe that only get them like the 11th overall pick. And is that going to be enough to get the quarterback of the future then? I don't know. So I think the Falcons had a really bad offseason. I think they were one of the bigger losers, and I think it's going to translate to a mediocre season because of that. I think that's that. That's a fair assessment. It, I I do think they were in a really tough spot with having to keep Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan isn't bad enough to go. Oh, and you know, go three and no. Yeah, he's not. He's not bad enough regular, to get you the like number one pick, season. but he's obviously not good enough to help you win a Super. Well, I mean, he was really close, but yeah, yeah. Outside I mean, of well, the that was, I mean, anomaly that was five year, years ago. he's still not a great quarterback. Yeah, no, I and their, their defense certainly has a lot of question marks. Just, yeah, the defense has so many. I, I agree. AJ Terrell is AJ Terrell was not very great last year. He didn't look like a fifteenth. What was he? You said fifteenth. Uh, sixteenth. I think he went sixteenth overall. overall. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't look like that. I like Richie Grant. Uh, Deron Harmon's another one. I, I think they signed him from the Lions. I want to say he was on last year. He's a pretty yeah, good. He the, he's a pretty he good safety. Um. Yeah, I I don't I I agree. This team's gonna be in a weird spot. I I think seven and ten is reasonable, which is the worst spot you want to be. But I just I don't know that I don't know that they could have rebuilt it very differently. Other than you're right, Kyle Pitts. They could have traded back for future picks. Yeah, they. Um, I I think that's also a fair assessment. Is like, yes, they're they haven't hand like things didn't go well for them, but they didn't really have a whole lot of other options. Yeah, so. you would have to go back and not give Matt Ryan the huge contract, or just draft differently. Every you have to go so far back. I I don't mm-hmm. think that this one off season is their downfall. It's just they they really were in a bad position. Yeah, and it's going to take a while, like we said, yeah. delaying the inevitable at this point. Um, it's yeah. going to take a while for them to get where they need to. All right, so let's uh, let's get ready to wrap up the NFC South, starting with our new addition to the vision that we believe will have the biggest impact. So, Brian, I'll let you go first this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the same approach as I did with the AFC South, and I'm going to pick Sam Darnold, where I can see it going – Great for him uh, being being out of New York and playing with Carolina, which like we've talked about s- several times where it just couldn't get worse for him in New York. But at the same time, does that mean he's that he's going to lead the Panthers to the playoffs? That I'm not sure of. We, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he still stinks and the Panthers are still not not so great team. So I'm going to take the same approach as I did with the AFC South and say – Sam Darnold will make the biggest impact. It's the biggest impact move of this division. Uh, I would go, you, you know, as much as I didn't like Drew Brees last year and thought he looked pretty bad when he played, he's got to be the biggest. I mean, you you have any time a Hall of Famer retires, that's a huge, uh, oh, are we doing only addition? I can't do a player that yeah, is gone. only addition. Oh. Uh, Drew Brees addition to the living room. <laughs> Yeah, true reason. <laughs> oh, I, I I didn't I misread that. So I would go with Kyle Pitts, who we had just discussed. I, I think that he does have the opportunity to be a generational talent if it goes all well. I know 
tight end is a really hard position to pick, but he's not like other tight ends. I mean, he's a wide receiver at tight end. He's a Travis Kelsey. He it's it's just a player that they just don't come around very often. So I know they they took him a little early fourth when you're trying to rebuild, but they took him at fourth for a reason. They said, this is the best player we've ever had the opportunity to take. We're going to take him. I think he has the chance, the opportunity, maybe not this season, but because as we discussed, I mean, I, I don't know that he gets them to the playoffs, but in terms of making an offense look amazing, he sounds like he could be as good a replacement for Julio Jones as you can get. Yeah, in terms of short-term team success, I don't see the impact he'll make. I Like we said earlier, I think they'll, the Falcons will be a mediocre team at best. But in terms of long-term, especially if they can add a, a big-time franchise quarterback later in the future, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so this division is a tough one, uh, probably the toughest for this. You know, the AFC South feels like every team added a million guys you could throw out here. The Bucks just ran back the entire roster they had last year, and the Saints only lost notable guys. They didn't add anyone notable, so you're really limited to the Panthers and the Falcons. Darnold and Pitts, I think, are the obvious first two, but a player I'll throw out, someone who Cam mentioned earlier, and the reason why I didn't want to talk about him then because I want to talk about him now is their Carolina Panthers first-round pick, J.C. Horn from South Carolina, not just because he went to my college, but because he, by all accounts, is like a generational talent at the cornerback position, someone who can just be a total lockdown corner. Now, I think the question with him is what kind of impact can he have as a rookie? We saw last year Jeff Okuda, the third overall pick, just do nothing with the Lions. So is that going to happen with Horn? Because if he struggles and the Panthers defense is likely going to struggle again, but if he comes out and looks every bit the part of what he can be in his rookie season, then I think that's going to be huge for the Panthers uh, for their defense. And then it's just a matter of can Sam Darnold uh, do what he needs to do on the offense. And this Panthers team can certainly find themselves at the very least knocking on the door of the playoffs this year with uh, plenty of reasons for optimism in the future. Yeah, I I really agree. I I I mean, I already said I love I love the JC Horn pick. Yeah, and they made a a lot of solid moves um, in the draft and in free agency. I guess the other guys that really like bringing in Hassan Reddick. He had twelve and a half sacks last year. Like he kind of fell out of favor in Arizona, but I think he's someone who can also help. Uh, you know, just bring another guy to that defense. So uh, there there's certainly a, a lot of moves that Carolina made that there's reasons to be optimistic about them. Like we keep saying. Uh, but now let's uh, wrap up the NFC South with our bold prediction for the division. Brian, will once again go to you. I'm going to go with a player instead of a team kind of bold prediction. Or for the last one, I went with a whole division <laughs> kind of prediction. Uh, this one's going to be player related. Uh, when I look at Alvin Kamara's situation right now in New Orleans, I, I'm kind of worried about him fantasy-wise because... When you look at this offense, I feel like Kamara's uh, target projection is going to drop a lot, given that Breeze had a lot to do with uh, Kamara's high usage in the passing game. When you add, when you add in Jameis and Taysom, I mean, Jameis, he's not exactly a check-down kind of quarterback. And then Taysom, he does not have a lot of great touch in terms of short passing situations. And so I'm worried about Kamara's... Uh, you know, receiving projection. 
And then in terms of scoring, I'm worried about it as well because without Michael Thomas and without having Drew Brees, how often are the Saints going to score this year? And so my hot take is, this might be too hot. It might be kind of like the bold prediction I had for the the last division. This might be too hot, but I'm going to say Kamara will finish outside the top 10 in terms of running back production out of that position. It's it's too bold, I'll admit, but yeah, I feel like he should be the one saving grace to this offense. Uh, you could say team, that they'll just throw it to him constantly in garbage yeah, time. I could see if that. If things as go well. really bad with uh Camara, then the, the Saints season is going to be uh, really I bad. could see going I could see going the other way around and he'll be amazing and he'll finish first again. But it again, it's bold for a reason. Mhm. No, absolutely. Cam Am I giving my bold or yeah bold prediction? Okay, Um, so my bold prediction is actually that the Carolina Panthers uh, have a top five pass defense in the NFL next season, and uh, whether that's yards allowed or I think somewhere it's top five PFF. Somebody has them ranked. I think somebody Uh will have them ranked top five. Even looking at their pass rush, I, I like Brian Burns a lot. Uh, Derek Brown is a, you said Hassan Reddick. I, I didn't even notice that guy. I am mean, he's a, he's a pretty good, he can rush the passer a little bit. I think that, I think that secondary is good enough that if they don't have time, I think there'll be a top five pass defense. Yeah. I won't go as bold as top five, but yeah, their, their defense certainly can be uh, right, top much six. improved because no, no, I think that that's a very bold prediction. And if you get that right, then that's, that's awesome because they probably need to make huge strides in their, their secondary. I think they were like, 18th or 20th in pass defense last year so they probably need to do that to get to the playoffs but they certainly have the pieces if everyone comes together and it's probably only a matter of time before their pass defense is there as some of those guys get older um so my bold prediction is going to be player related also about the new orleans saints uh i had a, a an even bolder one but i thought more about it and basically it comes down to I believe Jameis winston should be the saints starting quarterback but i don't believe that sean payton believes that i think he's going to give Taysom hill opportunities while i wanted to say Taysom hill will throw zero touchdown passes because he's not going to play quarterback i'll instead say that he's going to throw or he's going to have more turnovers than touchdown passes this year uh last season he had 10 fumbles lost three of them he was sacked 14 times he only had 121 pass attempts he only threw two interceptions but i do expect uh Taysom Hill to be asked to play quarterback at least a little bit and I think it's going to have uh more negatives and positives at least in terms of turnovers versus touchdowns and that's part of my my Kamara take is that not just the target projection not just their lack of scoring but yeah I I worry about whether if it's Taysom or or Jameis I worry about the turnovers as well and then even if they do get to the goal line how often is Kamara just going to get vultured by Taysom at the goal line for touchdowns. I mean, Taysom was in the top 15 or 20 in terms of carries inside, like at, near the goal line, and he was a part-time quarterback. <laughs> wasn't even a full-time starter, and so and he's going to get a ton more reps this year, and I feel like that hurts Kamara's production even more. But again, he could just get thrown the ball a million times if there's literally no one to throw to so i could be completely wrong that's why it's bold as much as uh that would hurt camara i do think that's the role hill should have is like a goal line quarterback not a start 
uh, every drive from the 25-yard line quarterback. Yeah, he needs to, you know, he's a good gadget guy on like third and one. Great special uh, Third team. and one, yeah, third and one on the goal line, two-point conversion. But yeah, he's not a, he's not a three down from the 25 court. Like he's not, he's not a strut him out for, and let him throw 25 passes in a game. That's just no, not going to happen. He's a glorified ever. personal punt protector. He, he's uh, the pocket running back. Yeah. I should right, just gone Taysom MVP or something. <laughs> that would <laughs> just been to the, piss you off. Yeah, bold. That would have been bolder than Drew Locke. <laughs> All right, that'll uh, wrap up the the football talk for this episode. But before we conclude, we will do a top five and. Uh, like we do for all of these NFL division previews, we let our guest hosts choose the topic. And um, based on Cam's suggestion, we're going to count down our favorite TV characters that commonly wear suits in this episode's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So Cam, before we get into the list, how about you give us an explanation as to why you chose this somewhat outlandish topic? <laughs> so I have been watching How I Met Your Mother, which I watched, uh, I, uh, I don't know when it was on TV, but I watched, I watched the season fin- or the series finale live. So I watched it many years ago. I had actually never even watched the first season, which I realized quickly into watching it i probably picked up third or fourth season so i've been watching how i met your mother and barney stinson has his come and he says suit up and he's just obsessed with suits and i it made me think you know how many shows i watch where there's a character that is really weirdly into suits so and just like loves suits and has a suit guy so yeah that is the reason you also started a new job recently where you actually have to go into the office and dress up in person and sometimes wear suits. So I think that also kind of works as you can kind of feel like some of these these characters by constantly wearing suits in your own life. And uh, I know he's going to listen to this, but uh, I right now I'm still wearing dad suits because I didn't want to buy my own. I need to get my own, but uh, <laughs> I definitely was thinking about how I need a new suit. So that was yeah. that tied into it. I only I've only had to wear it twice. And I didn't wear a tie and usually didn't wear my jacket. So it wasn't crazy, but it's a dad suit for sure. Yeah, that's uh, hey, we'll get you some new suits at some point. <laughs> By we, I mean, mom and dad will at all. No, I'll go, I'll go to, I'll go buy them after work. I have a few things I need. I'm just okay. lazy. Well, let's get to our, our list now. And Cam, as our guest, we'll let you get started with your number five. So my number five is uh, Schmidt. Uh, aka Winston Schmidt from New Girl, who New Girl's, you know, my favorite show. I've watched it probably four times through. I love that show. And uh, Schmidt is a great character. His character, his character development, which is one of the things I really like, is awesome. And he's obsessed with suits. He's, he's a, he works at a marketing firm and he's always talking about how you need to wear nice suits. See, I'm, I'm almost surprised that he's, only number five on your list because you love new girl so much so definitely excited to hear your explanations for your top four it's it's hard with him in comparison to nick miller and winston bishop he's just not the best he's he's if i could have put them on the list they'd be one and two so it pushes schmidt down a little bit that makes sense all right so for my number five i went with michael scott 
from The Office. And the reason why I have it as number five is is because I'm not as huge of a fan as other people in the show The Office. I'll admit, the first few times I watched it, I didn't care for it. But uh, the more I started watching it, the more I have actually ended up uh, liking it uh, as much as I used to. And and one of the reasons is because of Steve Carell's character, Michael Scott. I, I, I'm, I like Steve Carell a lot uh, in a lot of movies he's been in. And so I feel like I should give The Office more of a chance and on me liking it. And I feel like I have of late and, and I enjoy his character a lot. And obviously a lot of people, uh, in that show, of course, wear a suit in the office. So that's why he's my number five choice. Yeah. And he won't be the only, um, character from that show that makes any of our top fives, but I'll get started with my number five now. And that is Sterling Archer from the, uh, titular, series it's an adult animation that really the reason why he's number five is i just i haven't watched it enough to feel like i can put him higher but every time i do i think that show is so funny and a big part of it is archer himself a uh, amazing parody to james bond and other uh, secret agents he's someone who while he is great at the spy game he's much more concerned with the the thrilling lifestyle that it is with being a spy uh, certainly egotistical person not the, the greatest person uh, probably a reason why he's also lower on the list but he certainly provides a lot of laughs whenever I do watch that show so I think he's very worthy of starting out my list at number five uh, so my number four is actually the uh, inspiration for the topic, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. And he, w- he would probably be higher. I, the people I have above him, I, I really, I like the shows a lot better than How I Met Your Mother. I'm liking How I Met Your Mother, but it's it's a little dated. There's some, there's some very, it, it has a laugh track, which is a little dated. Yeah, it has, it has some other things. It's with laugh tracks these days. It, yeah, it is. It really is. It, it just feels dated. And some of the kind of uh, type of humor they make where they do a lot of make a, you know, witty joke and then explain the joke right after where someone else with someone else's response. They do that, which I'm not a, generally a fan of that. They just do a lot of older sitcom techniques. Ever, but ever his since I've seen awesome. ever since I've seen YouTube videos of sitcoms where they take out the laugh track, <laughs> it feels so awkward. <laughs> Like just any show, any show that had a laugh track in it, especially Big Bang Theory, which I never thought was funny. But and then when you take the laugh track out of that show, in my opinion, it's it's brutal. I, so I, I agree with you Ken, on the laugh track. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny used to, whenever he was watching a show that had a laugh track, he would on his own <laughs> laugh out loud. And yeah. it was, it really, it really emphasized it was, how brutal it was. The laugh very track annoying, but you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. And uh, so for my number four, I went with Fraser Crane. And he was actually before his uh, his show, Fraser, he was in the sitcom Cheers, which I watched start to finish and I enjoyed a lot. And I, I, I knew of the show Fraser, but I, I but as I was watching Cheers, I had no idea that that's where he came from. And I was, as I'm watching Cheers, like. And I see his character, and they call him Fraser. Like, what? Wait a minute. He has the same. He has the same name in this show than his actual show. And then all of a sudden, I, re- I realize, like, wait, oh, th- he's he's. This is after uh, a spinoff. Or it's a spinoff uh, 
from him on Cheers and then on to Frasier. And I enjoyed Cheers a lot when I watched it start to finish. I did not watch Frasier start to finish, so I can't say I'm as big of a fan of it as Ben, but uh, I have watched several episodes and I did enjoy the episodes that I did watch. But I couldn't put it that much higher because I have not watched Frasier start to finish. So I put I put him as number four. He's a definitely a great character in, in both shows. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Um, I have not seen Cheers. I've only seen one episode of Frasier, but I know that you're a big fan, and I was definitely expecting to see Frasier on your list here. So for my number four, I'm going with Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld, who he he's always wearing not the same kind of suit as uh, someone like... We've talked about with uh, you know Archer or um, Schmidt or Barney Simpson, but he what he wears is definitely a suit, uh, at least a suit jacket. Very outlandish character. I think he's hilarious on the show. I'm personally a George Costanza fan, but George doesn't wear a suit nearly as often as Cosmo Kramer does. So I um, do want to give a shout out here. My dad is a huge fan of Seinfeld, so I've watched so many episodes with him over the years, and I would always find a lot of uh, entertainment from Kramer and his uh, just wild personality. So he comes in at number four for me. So my number three, I actually, I had just one person, but I'm going to make it a duo and it's going to be the combo of Bobby Axelrod and Wags from Billions. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the show, uh, but I haven't. I've heard a lot of great things about it though. It's awesome. It's he, Bobby Axelrod owns a hedge fund and uh, his buddy Wags, he, they're like a, it's like his right hand man, but he's always saying just crazy metaphors and making references to movies and just, he just says some insane things. I had to throw him on here uh, with Bobby, but those two are just, that's a great show. And they, they really drive a lot of that show and a lot of wags adds a little humor and Bobby just, it's so fascinating to watch. All right. So for my number three, I went with Saul Goodman from uh, same like as Fraser Crane, where he's on one show, but he's also in a spinoff. Uh, Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad, but also in the spinoff Better Call Saul. And again, it's a similar situation where I've seen Breaking Bad from start to finish, and I really enjoyed the show. And then Better Call Saul, I've only seen uh, some episodes, and I haven't seen all of it yet. Uh, the I could have put Gus Fring on this list, another character from Breaking Bad who also wore suits a lot but the reason why I put Saul Goodman on this list is because I felt like his character is one that I had the biggest change on from when he was introduced into the show to the end where when he was introduced I didn't care for him as a character but as time went on I started to feel more for the guy and thought to myself the does this guy have to do everything for everybody in this show because he plays a uh a lawyer in in the show and uh and he's played by uh what's his name bob uh diedrich or oh o- odenkirk that was way off bob odenkirk bob yeah. odenkirk right recently and, had a health scare sorry say that again he recently had a health scare i think he's yeah okay. i forget what it was but yeah bob uh bob odenkirk is his name and he plays he does a great job playing uh saul goodman uh, in Breaking Bad, and so that's why I have him as number three. I have still not seen Breaking Bad. Uh, Cam and my parents watched it together when I was away at college, and I 
didn't try to catch up with them because by the time I came home for summer break, they're already on season three. Not watching Breaking Bad is outlandish. You need to just yeah, sit down I'm, and I'm watch not, Breaking Bad. I'm not going to judge you, Corey, if you've never you seen it. I mean, a lot of people think it's the greatest show of all time. You need to sit down and watch it. Like yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I I thought the show was very well done, but I'm not going to be all fanboy about it and like, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it yet, Corey. Like, how how dare you? Like, I'm not going to do that with you. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I fine. feel like it's a deserving thing. I, I appreciate that, but I don't blame Cam for that reaction at all. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, dad just rewatched it. Yeah, another one rewatched it without me, so... <laughs> uh, anyway, my my number three, I mentioned earlier that uh, we would have more characters from The Office, and that's where my number three comes in. Not Michael Scott, but Dwight Schrute, uh, salesman at Dunder Mifflin, the assistant to the regional manager. I love Dwight. He's always been my favorite character on The Office. Like you, Brian, I haven't watched the, the whole show from start to finish, but I've watched so many episodes of The Office, enough that I could have gone with probably a few characters from the show, but I did decide to just go with the one. Um, I think Dwight's just hilarious and not even like intentionally on his end. He's just someone who's constantly full of surprises, and really um, he makes the show in my opinion, as great as it can be with, uh, especially the antics he gets into with Jim Helpert, who yeah, I, I, Jim I, doesn't wear a suit as much. Uh, but he certainly that's why been in the running. That's why I left did. him off because he yeah. doesn't wear a suit as much uh, mm-hmm. between the other, and the other characters. I, I definitely, uh, I slightly regret not including an office character, but I could have included all of them. Yeah, I know. It's, it's tough to choose this one. So my number two is uh, Johnny Rose from Schitt's Creek who is just an awesome character. I, I don't think that anyone would ever watch that show. Y- you know, for a main character that you can... Know, I don't think anyone would watch the show and not love his character. So I, I really like him. I That show is just really good. That's another one I would highly recommend to anybody to watch. That's Eugene Levy's character, right? The dad? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, believe it's, I believe his daughter and son are both... Yeah, they're all on the show together. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the American Pie series because of him. So I know I would like Schitt's Creek. I didn't watch it for the longest time. And then I heard comparisons to Arrested Development. And I was like, I love Arrested Development. I should watch this, but I I still haven't. It's another show that you guys watch without me. You know, I'd watch so many more shows <laughs> if I still lived at home. Um, but I miss out on stuff by just not watching stuff on my own. So. It's it's very watchable. It's like the it's it's kind of like The Office where you can you can just sit down and watch it. It's not really a it's it's just very it's an easy watch, I should say. Yeah, you can just put on any episode and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of thing. Yep. All right, so for number 2, I went with Chandler Bing from Friends, and I will fully admit that out of the five choices that I have in my top 5, he probably wears a suit the least amount, but he does wear a suit for all the jobs he he had in uh, statistical analysis and data reconfiguration, as he liked to say on the show. And he also worked uh, in advertising as a copywriter. So he wore, there are several episodes and scenes where he was in a suit. So, and he was definitely my favorite on the show, my favorite character on the show. I mean, I guess Jennifer Aniston for looks, Rachel was yeah. probably my favorite, but yeah, strictly for looks. But in terms of like actual personality, I I definitely thought Chandler was my favorite on the show. I feel like I feel like I can relate to him a lot uh, with being very sarcastic, awkward, and and other things. I feel like, but I 
I feel like his character, yeah, was just very relatable and was someone that, as time went on during the show, his maturity really showed as well. And so that's why I have him as number two. I was always a Joey Tribbiani guy, but like yeah, I love I, I love both of them. <laughs> yeah, I he's, think Joey's a different kind of uh, character on the show. Yeah, I, I feel like both of them are really funny. I think Joey's probably funnier, where I think Chandler has a good mix of both uh, humor and maturity and other things. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that including Chandler here is a little bit of a stretch, but my number two is also admittedly a little bit of a stretch, and that is Spencer Reed from Criminal Minds. Most of the time he's wearing, you know, FBI gear on the show, but whenever they are actually within the confines of the BAU, he does often wear a suit or at the very least a vest. Um, I mean, you have Kramer on your list and he's and he wears a suit most of the time, but I mean, yeah, there'll but be he, times where he'll be like in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, like a like a Cuban shirt. Um yeah, for sure. Like there there may be a few of them that are a bit of a stretches. Not many that are cartoons, really. Archer is the only one who's constantly wearing one. Even then he doesn't always wear one. Anyway, Spencer Reed, always my favorite character on Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds was a show that, you know, Cam and I watched for a long time. Um growing up and I love the show it's one that's easy for me to go back to I didn't really keep up with it a ton when I went off to college but uh, I definitely have a lot of great memories watching it and just like really being fascinated by the show and a lot of it is just that Spencer Reed is just such an intelligent person and he knows all these facts about real life serial killers I love that and I thought that he was just like a fun character like everyone was very different on the show I understand all the appeal to like Derek Morgan and you know JJ and Emily Prentice and even um, you know Hotcher and Rossi for me Spencer is always my favorite character and that's why he's on my list and high up here at number two. That, that's a good one. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. So my number one is uh, I you, you got to include somebody from the show Suits. Uh, <laughs> but Harvey Specter, the best closer in New York, he he has a suit. He has a suit guy. I forgot that that was one of the things I was going to do was everyone had a suit guy. I, th- I think they're all big suit guys other than Bobby Axelrod. He wears one in most shows, episodes, but he's not, you know, obsessed with you got to go get this suit. But Harvey Specter is a amazing character that's another must-watch show for me but actually that one's not a must-watch you can't recommend that to anybody but that's a really really good show about you know attorneys in new york and uh, harvey specter is just an incredible character he's one of the two main characters and yeah the best closer in new york you can't say much more yeah, I know you recently wrapped that one up. And as soon as I started just like Googling lists of like TV characters that wear suits and seeing Harvey Specter constantly at or near the top, I was like, he's, yeah, for sure going to be on Cam's list. Not shocked at all. He's your number one. Yeah, it was him or uh, Mike Ross, who was the, you know, the main, he, almost every conflict revolves around Mike Ross because he, I don't I don't the premise of the show is that Mike Ross didn't go to Harvard and pretended he went to harvard so he could practice law so he's illegally practicing law that's the premise of the show so it revolves around him but uh harvey specter is the main character he's the guy all right and so for my number one i went with adrian monk who is played by tony shalhoub in the show uh called monk of course which is a uh a crime comedy which I and I enjoyed the show a ton. It's one of my favorite TV shows that I've seen. I think it has a perfect blend of crime, comedy, and even some 
romantic scenes as well. And also learning about all the quirks and OCDs and his learning about uh, his past and his family. And I, I, it's a show that I enjoyed a lot from start to finish and it, yeah. And it deserves to be my number one choice. Yeah, another. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about him. Uh, I'm pretty sure I mentioned him in a top five. I think so because I I definitely recognize you talking about Monk before. Um, Not a show that I ever watched, but you know, certainly one that I've I've heard a lot. I think the biggest comparison it gets is with Psych. Is another crime. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, they used to go. They went one after another. I'm pretty sure on. uh, I think it was on USA when it was. Yeah, it was on USA. Yeah, I think they went one after another in Showtimes. Yeah. All right, I'll get us wrapped up with my number one, who was the inspiration, apparently, for this entire list, Barney Simpson from How I Met Your Mother. And I did, a few years ago, recently, rewatch it, kind of, um, with my roommate and his girlfriend. I would catch episodes whenever they were watching it, and I didn't have anything better to do. But I loved watching it when we watched it growing up, and the biggest reason why was because of Barney Simpson. Always my favorite character. He's the guy that I instantly think of whenever I think of a TV character in suit, because he's always wearing suits. He even sleeps in suits. <laughs> um, and I, I think Barney's such a, a funny character, someone who just adds a lot of comic relief, someone who, uh, you know, Ted... Mosby can kind of get you down in the dumps a little and Barney's just always um, a a fun guy and like you said suit up legend wait for it dairy uh, one of my favorite tv quotes of his um, is when I get sad I stop being sad and be awesome instead that's his mentality and that's just like a great mentality to think of whenever you start feeling down just try to put a positive spin on life and yes i get that any network tv show with a laugh track is not going to stand up to any kind of sitcom of today but for what it was when it aired from like 2005 to 2013 it was easily one of the best shows on television and barney Simpson, a huge reason why which is why he's my number one character who not just commonly but basically always wears suits I think it's very impressive that in a super niche category, we only had one overlap. That's impressive. Oh, I know. I didn't realize that. Like, Brian and I were talking about it before you came on that we didn't realize just, like, how many TV characters wear suits. Like, we had, like, some play, you know, guys that we threw out initially, and then, oh, wow, there's so many more that we could have come up with. Yeah, yeah when I was thinking about something. my list at first, I, I couldn't come up with a single one, but then I, uh, as time went on, I, the more I real, I... I realized that there were actually a lot more characters than I thought. It's something I'd never noticed. One I almost thought was Jeff Winger, but, you know, he kind of goes away from it, which is almost a cool thing because I like the character development in TV. So that would have been a nice, like, I almost thought about doing him and discussing him, which I guess now I'm talking about him. But uh, (laughs) there, every, not every show, but a lot of sitcoms have a suit guy. Oh, for sure. And um, beyond just sitcoms, we definitely have a lot of uh, shows that we've talked about that, they, you know, they're based around professions where people constantly wear suits. Um, I don't know if I should say honorable mentions, but three that I wish I could have put, but I didn't watch the show, so I couldn't. Um, Ari Gold from Entourage. I saw the movie. I thought about cheating and putting him on, but I didn't watch the TV show, so I thought that was too much of a stretch. Um Don Draper from Mad Men. He's constantly coming up on lists. I never watched Mad Men, but I assume most people that have would put him in their top five, probably high on the list. And then Nookie Thompson from Boardwalk Empire. I've always been really intrigued by the, that show, but 
we didn't have HBO growing up, so never watched any HBO shows. And I feel like it's, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to get back into a lot of shows and a lot of them are on HBO that I need to give a try. And that's certainly one that I am intrigued by and would. And I feel like if I watched it, he would certainly be on my list. That's a Steve Buscemi character. Serious role. If we did top five for movies instead of TV shows, I probably would have just put James Bond one through five and all the different James Bond <laughs> <laughs> actors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Cam, this is a great topic. Uh, definitely glad you did that. Certainly a fun one, uh, unique as it was. It's uh, I think it's something that get a lot of people thinking and coming up with their own list. Yeah, I don't so. think anyone's ever done it. <laughs> no, it's, probably it's not. It's probably the most outlandish one I've, I've heard. <laughs> We've done some pretty crazy ones over the years, but it's uh, I'm sure it's up there. So that'll wrap up this episode. Uh, Cam, thank you for coming on, helping us talk about the AFC South and NFC South. We hope to have you back on at some point during the NFL season. We know you love talking about football, very knowledgeable about it. So, Yeah, thanks for having me on. So for... Uh, Well, I guess I should say we will be continuing our NFL division by division season previews next week uh, with the AFC North and the NFC North featuring another guest host. So for this episode's guest host, Cameron Novotny, and my regular co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.